This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 136 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by Brady and David. Today, we're hitting part three of our hashtag Future Belt series and welcoming Ben and Pat from Buzzardry, who are going to let us know all about the Golden Eagles of Southern Miss before they join the Fun Belt at the beginning of July. Ben, Pat, welcome to the Thursday Night Podcast. How are you doing today? Glad to be on. Thanks for having us. This is fun. Glad to have you all here joining us. We've got to start with a name because we're aficionados of fun names as evidenced by the Thursday Night Podcast. So I guess Buzzard is another nickname for the Southern Miss. Golden Eagles. Yeah, so it's uh, it's actually it's a slight point of contention in the Southern Miss fan base. Uh, there are some, say, the older demographic does not like being referred to as the the mustard buzzards because it was originally <laughs> it was a, it was a slight that mostly Ole Miss and Mississippi State and the surrounding SEC schools would use to to belittle Southern Miss as the Golden Eagles. They're just the mustard buzzards, and so we. Uh, I don't know how long it's been, probably within the last five years, people started to kind of refer to us. Southern Miss people started to refer to themselves as, as buzzards, the mustard buzzards. And, and so we, uh, yeah, we kind of took that and ran with it. Buzzardry. Um, we see it as kind of the, it's enigmatic of the Southern Miss experience, the very unique fandom of being a group of five school in the middle of SEC country and, Constantly being put down um, and sort of kicking the the uh, sting away from that, I guess, a little bit um, and and kind of wearing it as a, a badge of honor a little bit. Yeah, c- kind of what he said, just kind of taking the uh, <clears throat> taking the negativity out of it and uh, kind of embracing it. Uh, we kind of uh, we joke, you know, I don't know if you guys are big soccer fans, but you know, they have Millwall and their thing is everyone hates this. We don't care. That's kind of what we're trying to. That's kind of what Southern Miss is trying to adopt. It some uh, sometimes we had during the end of baseball season. Our thing was Southern Miss versus all y'all. So we're just trying to we're trying to em- embrace that uh, kind of slight that uh, some teams have against us. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Crystal Palace supporter, so I can't support the Millwall thing too too much. <laughs> they're big uh, rivals over in South London. But uh, I guess c- continuing on the thing we were talking about, just like what is your guys connection to Southern Miss and what made was the impetus for you guys starting off the pod? Oh, well, um, I guess, uh, my connection to USM is, uh, I'm fourth generation Hattiesburg native. Uh, both my parents went to USM. So I was kind of born into the whole, uh, Southern Miss fandom. I've been hooked on, uh, you know, USM football, USM athletics, uh, since I was six years old, we beat Nebraska and Lincoln. So, but yeah, I guess the podcast, um, uh, Ben, I've known Ben for a little while and, he just sent me a text one day. I was like, Hey, you want to do this podcast? And from there, we did it right before football season started from there. It just kind of took off. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. There's, there's not a, just a ton of backstory to it. It's, we say a lot that we, we talk about this stuff anyway, so we might as well hit record and, and see if people enjoy it. Um, as my connection to Southern Miss, I have I, similar to Patrick. I was sort of born into it. My dad grew up in Hattiesburg and his, Dad taught at Southern Miss for 30 plus years. Um, my dad actually went to Baylor, but lived in Jackson. I grew up in Jackson and was always much more of a Southern Miss person um, than anything. It would, you know, I grew up going to all the games and got into middle school, high school, and started to realize that Ole Miss and Mississippi State, you know, it, they kind of ran things a little bit, uh, it, it's especially in the central Mississippi area. Um, and, you know, it is kind of what we were just talking about. Just uh, a lot of people looking down on Southern Miss and I, st- I kind of cling to that and really love that about Southern Miss The kind of the chip on the shoulder. Nothing has been given to Southern Miss. And I kind of fell in love with that attitude um, and graduated from Southern Miss two years ago, three years ago. Wow. Um, Three years ago, and and never really, I, I didn't think it would happen, but never, never <laughs> became detached at all, and never will. Um, just just got a deep love for what Southern Miss is and the people there, and I, we both think it's a really unique fandom. Uh, some of the factors we already mentioned, but uh, it's a lot of ups and a lot of downs. 
lot of downs, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, there's some good mix in there. We're, we're, uh, we're proud to be able to, to talk about it and have people listen to it and enjoy it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's gotta be fun. Um, you know, before we kind of dive in on specific sports, I, I, I wanted to ask, um, you know, obviously everybody knows about the athletics, you know, level of some of the, you know, power five Georgia schools, but I would say, you know, Outside of like baseball and, you know, in some of the more marquee sports, you know, in Mississippi, it's obviously different. So, you know, when Southern Miss was going through that, you know, stretch where they were, you know, pretty successful in, say, football and, you know, a while ago in, you know, basketball, was the perception kind of the same as it is with like Georgia State and like the rest of the Georgia schools? Like, did you feel, you know, Southern Miss was getting some respect or did they still kind of have that quote unquote little brother syndrome that, you know, people kind of were looking down on them for? yeah yeah um i guess kind of if you go back to like the 2000 kind of when i was first following college football usm was kind of a consistent bowl team and uh you kind of look at Ole Miss and state they were they had i guess ed ogeron and so sylvester croom and they were kind of winning three games every year so i mean at that point usm kind of was seen as having the best program um in the state and then you know you kind of saw Things later where, um, you know, kind of around 2010, 2011, or 2009, 2010, where USM was still winning seven or eight games, but Ole Miss and State made good hires. And, um, you know, that you kind of got a little more of that um, slight than you had. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you know that's some USM fans like to bring up is, are you, um, you know, a record against um, Mississippi State until a couple years ago when they beat us. We had been 500 against them. Um all time at about 30 or so games. I mean, that was a long time ago, but that's just some kind of people like to bring up about the kind of the rise of the SEC and kind of the reason USM fans, you know, have the attitude toward the SEC that we do is, you know, back in the eighties, we were kind of on a level playing field with those two schools. And whereas now, you know, the TV money is kind of dwarfed, uh, dwarfed kind of all of the group of five. So. Yeah. Not a lot to add to that. I mean, it, it was yeah, kind of in that late two thousands range when, you know, social media and TV kind of blew up and this the perception of the SEC shifted a little bit or maybe grew where it was, especially in the Southeast where we are, it was the SEC and, and everyone else. And then you started to see that affect you know, in, enrollment and it was just not a cool thing to go to Southern Miss anymore. And a lot of that on our end was what we will talk about was conference affiliation was conference USA's lack of leadership and vision in working through a lot of those factors, not knowing how to combat that. Um, and so, yeah, there, I think that David, what you were talking about, that sort of, you know, the, the bigger schools looking down on us, I think that was expanded, uh, especially in this last decade. Um, but we feel like getting into the Sun Belt, well, it makes so much more sense for us um, that hopefully we'll be able to kind of claw some of that back a little bit as far as perception. Yeah, that leads on the next thing I was going to ask about. And <clears throat> that's now the second of uh, the Conference USA leavers. And second time, the person we were asking about it left their feelings about Conference USA pretty well uh, understood. And so I guess maybe the why you were leaving isn't that much of a surprise uh, to any listeners at this point, but why was now the time and how are fans feeling now that we are mere weeks away from Southern Miss in the Sun Belt? Yeah, Pat can expand on this, but I, it is, it is just about as consensus as it can possibly be in a college athletics fan base um, as anything can at, we are ready to get out of conference USA even after, I mean, even after you got a heartbreaking loss and bad weekend in the Super Regionals, I mean, this, somebody tweeted, one of our student journalists tweeted, um, they had taken this, the Conference USA emblem off the backstop within like 30 minutes after the last pitch. So it's, it is no secret with the administration, with the entirety of the fan base, with the players, that we are ready to leave and i think that's been the case it, it, the timing felt like it worked out well but i think the majority of the fan base was ready to get out of conference usa probably the last 10 years it was it was really that last 
big realignment where you we kind of backfilled a lot of these. I mean, most of them were the schools that are moving on to the AAC now uh, that just didn't have any history and did not have a lot of connection or parallel to Southern Miss in any way, no really identifying characteristics with us. And uh, just it, it did not make any sense for Southern Miss. Um maybe made sense for the administration of conference USA, what they were trying to go after, which was a bigger TV money. And that obviously did not work out. And it was kind of a a failure from start to finish. If, if you ask me and most other Southern Miss fans. So um, I think, I think we have, like I said, wanted to get out for a long time, but most Southern Miss fans would say that they're happy with the timing just due to the fact that we're getting out finally. Yeah, I would, Agree with all of that. It was just kind of, uh, you know, Cover USA was a good home uh, for. I mean, at, at times, I mean, really, the first two, I guess, iterations of Cover USA. You know, we like to call it CUSA 1.0, which was, I guess, from '96 to '04. And you know, you look at that era. You had Louisville and Cincinnati and TCU. I mean, a lot of you know, kind of big programs. And then, um, you know, you had CUSA 2.0 uh, with. Um, I guess UCF was in there and um, eventually or UCF and then Memphis and Houston, all those schools left Tulane, East Carolina left. And those were, uh, especially those last three, ECU, Tulane and Memphis, those were three big rivals. So I think after that, everybody was kind of fed up with CUSA and, you know, I don't think USM fans, even at, you know, as of a couple of years ago, I don't think we really ever kind of viewed the Sun Belt as a, um, a viable option. Uh, but you know, with just the rise of the Sun Belt and um, especially football is really, um, it really made it an attractive option. Uh, for USM to jump to, and uh, we're just really excited. Well, I guess, uh, you know, we've talked about it some with baseball, obviously coming off of hosting a regional and then a super regional, and obviously maybe source bump, maybe not at this point. I know obviously it's still fresh with the lost old missing the super regional, but it, you saw with what Conference USA was, which obviously sounds very flawed from what your experience you laid out. Still, obviously, you were able to host the super regional that you're able to. So, it wasn't necessarily with baseball, which is maybe your flagship program that it was stopping you, but what are you hoping being in the Sun Belt in baseball now is going to mean for maybe the next level for Southern Miss baseball? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's going to be a, a huge uh, boost, I think. I mean, I mean, maybe not a huge boost, but a, a step up in baseball just because, you know, like you're saying, Conference USA has been a good baseball conference and we had a good year this year. You know, I think it was the number five conference in RPI. Uh, but, you know, you look at the Sun Belt this year, you had um, – Four teams make regionals. Uh, then you add USM, that'd be five. And I was actually running the uh, the numbers a while back. And I posted on Twitter of basically in a post-realignment world after all these changes are made with the Sun Belt and CUSA and the Big 12 and the SEC. And basically, the Sun Belt would have been the number five conference this year with those um, new alignments. And what I had actually more teams than the Big 12. Um, and what I had a team of the Super Regionals, which uh, the Big 12 didn't. So, I mean, yeah, it, it has the potential to be a top five league um, consistently, maybe even top four, depending on what the Big 12 does. And, you know, a lot of these teams in the, the Sun Belt Baseball, we play them a bunch. I mean, we play them every year, really. Uh, South Alabama, Louisiana. Um, we played ULM in the past. So, yeah, well, we're just really looking forward to the Sun Belt Baseball, especially a lot of a lot of really good fan bases for baseball um, in the Sun Belt. You know, just to kind of talk about those two schools, Louisiana Lafayette and um, South Alabama. You know, Texas State draws well. Coastal Carolina draws well. So that's kind of what we're uh, looking forward to, uh, Sunbelt baseball. Yeah, just just one quick thing. I mean, just to expand on what Patrick said about the fan bases, that, I mean, Conference USA was a good group of five baseball conference. I don't think there's any arguing against that. It was, I mean, it's, it was typically the best group of five baseball conference. But when, when you, just in terms of fan interest and perception, I think, I think Southern Miss takes a big jump just aligning itself with schools that have uh, tradition and actual fan interest and fans that will travel. I mean, that was relatively non-existent in Conference USA. Even with the programs that have been good in the last five years, there has been, you know, Maybe increased fan interest, but still relatively very little fan interest at those schools. And I think the biggest thing, one of the big things too with the Sun Belt is consistency. I mean, you look at a lot of these Conference USA baseball programs that have made a big jump in the last two or three years, 
You can look at Louisiana Tech, who's you know not always been a powerhouse, but have taken a big jump under Lane Burroughs. And Charlotte, Old Dominion, who will obviously be with us in the Sun Belt. Um, and then UTSA this year, kind of the same thing, where they've – have made some good hires and taken some jumps, but the, you know, when we play UTSA at Hattiesburg, there are going to be two or three UTSA fans there um, who are parents of the players. And there's, you know, that's great, but you know, it'll be, it'll be a little bit different of an atmosphere and in terms of perception and just fan interest in general, when you're playing those series with Louisiana Lafayette, Monroe um, and pretty much everybody in the West, I think, even including Texas State, I think just takes a big jump, maybe in off the field terms. And <clears throat> the whole ESPN deal probably doesn't hurt either. Uh, if you're not going to the games, you're still. Oh, it doesn't. I, I got the feeling that the TV stuff, uh, what was it, Flow TV, Facebook? <laughs> Flow TV would have been a huge yes over what we watched. Trust me, Brady. They were, they were, I had three or four. Probably more of the CUSA TV broadcasts were just a Motorola cell phone duct taped to the top of a light pole, and that was that was the only camera angle. We don't have to watch those anymore. <laughs> and I guess this is just like a loaded generic question, but obviously Southern Miss baseball has gotten to the point where they're hosting Super Regionals. I guess how did it build under Coach Barry? Uh, yeah, so I mean, you kind of look at um, the uh, the history of um, of USM baseball. I mean, really, uh, Hill Denson was uh, he got here in the mid '80s, and before then, I mean, USM baseball really hadn't done anything at all. There wasn't a fan base, you know. They um, played on a really small park um, where the football, I think, uh, practice field is now. Uh, and Hill Denson was the kind of guy he built the fan base there in the '90s. He only went to two regionals. Um, but, you know, he kind of laid the foundation for future success. And then uh, late 90s, Corky Palmer took over, uh, kind of turned the program into a consistent regional team, uh, and then culminating with uh, 2009 with Omaha. Uh, and then Scott Berry has uh, kind of done similar thing to Corky, you know, consistent regional appearances. And um, yeah, he took over in 2010 and then, uh, yeah, breaking through to get it to Super. So that's just kind of, a, I guess, brief overview of, uh, of the program. Yeah, biggest thing is just consistency, mate. We have had four head coaches in program history, and and there are, I mean, that is just such a rarity, especially in the the landscape of college athletics today. Um, having guys, particularly, you know, those those three um, that you could say were part of the modern era, I guess, or built the foundation for it in uh, Hill Denson, Corky Palmer, and Scott Barry. They they were they were here and. and Likely could have been in other places, but wanted to build something and we're all all had connections to each other and we're all on staff with each other, or at least, you know, the Palmer was on staff with Denson and Barry was on staff with Palmer. Um, that that connection, I mean, Scott Barry's been at Southern Miss for 22 years. Uh, he was an assistant before he hired as the head coach in 2009 when Corky Palmer retired. So that it, it's just so much of it is consistency where don't see that in most places. I think especially in a sport like baseball um, and the way that the athletics landscape continues to change with the transfer portal and with head coaches making more and more money. It's, it's such a rarity to see the kind of consistency um, that is, that's been built on every year. And, and we've talked about this a lot. You know, and since this postseason run, other messes really, taken a jump in the last five years kind of incrementally got closer and closer to getting out of a regional and hosted in 2017 uh, and competed against the big time programs and now got to the point in 2022 where you know sort of expect to beat a team like LSU or program like LSU in your own regional and host your own super regional and you know feel pretty good about the matchup against Ole Miss obviously that didn't go well and they're one of the hottest teams of the country but that expectation has been continually raised, and it's because of that foundation that's been laid by those four guys. Yeah, I mean, for me, I kind of look at it a similar way. With like, with Georgia State joined the Sun Belt, I think 
I don't know if there was any. I don't know that there was that much trepidation about Southern Miss joining, but I'm sure there was with Georgia State. In year one, they came in and won 17 games in men's basketball. Should have gone in the tournament, but didn't. And then have been kind of able to make the marker in men's basketball at this point. And I feel like, obviously, football is what we'll talk about next. And it's been in kind of a lull for where it's been historically for Southern Miss. But I feel like you guys can come in immediately in baseball and. Everyone who's watching the Sunbelt is going to be like, oh, yeah, no, they're bringing, they're pulling their weight. They're definitely setting a standard in the sport. And I feel like for a new joining to a conference, I feel like that's an important thing to be able to do. So it's, you know, you're being like, this is why they wanted us. Like we're, we're offering what we're able to offer. Right, right. Yeah, we, I, I think there is, I mean, like Patrick has said, this, there are, are more consistently successful programs in the Sun Belt, and it, it will be a step up, as small step up in terms of competition. But yeah, I, I think point that the program is right now is kind of come into and expect to win the conference. Which I, I I don't know if you know the existing members are going to want to hear that, but that's sort of the the spot that the program is in, especially with what we bring back next year. I mean, we'll. Obviously, things could change and could see a downslide, but it is, it has been, Southern Miss has been one of the best, if not the best, group of five baseball program in the country in the last you know, 10 or 15 years. So I think the expectation remains the same with the, I think a little more respect comes when we play some of these Sun Belt teams. Um, because that's that's sort of the expectation every year is to sort of dominate Conference USA. We've done that a lot with six conference championships, five tournament championships. But um, I, so I wouldn't say that that lessens any, but that there is there is much more of a, a respect that comes with playing these Sun Belt teams, which I think will make it so much more fun to play these schools. So going quickly onto football, I mean, I will admit as someone, you know, I played. NCA 14, you know, constantly I, I'm all about the video game. So I, obviously I knew Southern Miss, but I will admit ignorance on not knowing how good Southern Miss historically had been as a football program and not knowing that it had been like, it was since 20 up to 2011. It was, I think no losing seasons. Is that right? From since yeah. like 40s. No, not quite that, but yeah, it was probably from 94 to 2011. So I think it was 18 consecutive winning 18 seasons. Straight. Yeah. And then so there were some longer, maybe not been no losing seasons, but like I, I saw some stat that was like just point out the historical, like since like the Second World War, just how good Southern Miss football has been. Be back to and back losing to, seasons since since then, yeah. That must be what it was. Um, but obviously, last decade hasn't gone as well. So I guess the first thing just to touch on is just kind of what has been the problem with the football program of late. You want to get that Ben or touch on that first? <laughs> a big one. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Larry Fedora was here. I guess we'll start with that. He was um, the coach from 08 to 11, uh, and he did did well. He went to four bowls, uh, won the conference championship, be the top, uh, I guess, number six Houston, the conference championship in 2011. Uh, and then after that, it really uh, went downhill. You know, we hired um, Ellis Johnson. Uh, went from, we went from 12-2 and two to 0-12, uh, probably the first and probably only team that will ever do that. Um but, um, yeah, and, and after that, it was just, you fired him after one year, and um, it was just kind of a rebuild um, from that, where you, um, you mean, took you, or you had a three-year stretch where you went 4-32. and 32. Um, And then culminating with that 4-32 and 32 stretch was realignment. We were, we were really hurt by realignment. We are you know, kind of talking about East Carolina, Memphis, and Tulane, and all those schools that we had played for so long. Uh, leaving. So, I mean, not only were you bad on the field, but you had a bunch of off-the-field things. Um, that really hurt you um, as well. And that also was uh, kind of a period when Ole Miss and Mississippi State uh, started getting pretty good, and they had made some good hires with Dan or starting rising with Dan Mullen and Hugh Free. So that kind of hurt our uh, perception in state. So yeah, I mean it was just kind of a, a combination of and then from that 2012 to 2014 stretch uh, where things were just really bad, and then 2015, um, you know, we won nine games, won the division with Todd Munkin in his third year. Uh, felt like we were on the upswing. Felt like 2016 was going to be a big, big year for the program. And then uh, Todd Munkin kind of left uh, in the middle of the night. We, we still, we love Munkin, but he, he, you know, he left us a week before signing day um, in 20, uh, beginning of 2016. And then, you know, we hired Jay Hobson. And, uh, you know, he was 
basically 500 level coach, uh, didn't win any division titles. It was just the program. It was not, you know, as bad as it was during that four and 32 strikes, but it was definitely a malaise where you didn't feel like you were going anywhere. And then eventually, you know, toward the end of his tenure, uh, you know, he kind of had some, uh, you know, spats with the administration uh, that was pretty well publicized and he was eventually pushed out. Now you have Will Hall, who I think everybody likes. I think, you know, you kind of looking at this season, that was a season where you hope to make a bowl, and then uh, next season's a year where you want to uh, hopefully compete for the uh, the West Division Championship. Um, so yeah, it, it's been a, it's been a turbulent decade, but we feel like we're heading in the right direction with the staff. Yeah, turb- turbulence is a good way to put it. I, I mean, you look back the last decade now that you're you know further than a decade out from that 2011 season. Really, that 2015 year was. The only one where you, I think, really felt good about the program, um, like Patrick said, that kind of got zapped pretty quickly with Munkin taking the job with the Buccaneers. And it's it's sort of just been a lethargy uh, across the fan base ever since then. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think we've talked about this a lot, and we talked about this with the, the James Madison guys when we were on their podcast. Um don't think I mean we went three and nine last year in our, our last season in Conference USA and that was sort of a, a little bit of a wake up call I think because Will Hall is is a great hire and is is exactly what we need as a program because he brings in this high energy and sort of recapturing some of the school pride that's that's been lost in that lethargy um, that got everybody fired up and then we went three and nine and they you know. 35 different quarterbacks, whatever the number was. Um, and, and sort of, I think kind of dinged the, the uh, excitement a little bit. Uh, so I, I think we're cautiously optimistic heading into this year, but, but I think people that are reasonable look at the program and, and see that there was a little bit more of a hole left by Jay Hobson uh, than people realize, but feel pretty good about the recruiting class and some of the transfers that were brought in. Um, really like the staff as a whole. And like I said, I, I think Will Hall is the type of leader um, that is going to be able to get you out of this malaise, like Patrick said. Um, it's it's because it, it was going to take a really, really good hire. I think, I think everyone involved with the program invested in some way knew that, that this hire was, you know, Kind of do or die a little bit because if you you know if if you continue on this downslide this downward t- trajectory you know who knows what's going to happen with realignment and all the other factors around college athletics at this point so it might be too late uh, when you finally do make a good hire so we we feel like it is um, is uh, going to turn around at some point uh, cautiously optimistic is is what I would back to for this year and just the program as a whole. I, you know, I guess I could, you know, stroke some of the flames of that optimism here, um, you know, kind of looking at the schedule from last year, obviously, like you said, it didn't go, you know, the way that I would imagine Southern Miss fans were hoping. But, you know, if you look at, you know, the common opponents, they're probably going to play South Alabama. They're probably going to play Troy this year. What is kind of the perception going through the schedule for the 2022 season is, you know, do people think that the schedule is a little bit better? Do they think that, you know, it's easier to see a path to more than three wins, you know, given the fact that they are coming over to the Sun Belt and they are playing in a different conference? And it's the Sun Belt West. We can be, you know, at this point, there's a divide between the two conf- uh, divisions in the Sun Belt at this point. Yeah, I, I think, um, I think, when you look at the schedule, I think it's it's actually a little more difficult. I think that's how people really see it. Um, there just aren't as many gimme wins as as there were in Conference USA. Um, I mean, even even like a Louisiana Monroe took a step up. Felt like last year, um, and so I, I think I think five six wins would be successful, seen as successful. But I think yeah, once you get to that four or three range, you start to start to kind of worry a little bit. Um, I think I think anything anything above four wins, I think you see that as a success, which is a testament to the competition. Because, like I said, I think it takes a step up, but also 
is you know, realizing that I think we are still in a rebuilding mode a little bit, kind of like Patrick said. Next year is is the year where you feel like you you kind of need to and should take a big jump. Yeah, I think you look at it, um, kind of the, the non-conference part. Um, I, guess, I guess we're just talking about the Sunbelt part, but yeah, the non-conference part um, is big just because you feel like if you, if you go two and two in that stretch, you're set up well to possibly make a bowl. Uh, just because, I mean, you have a pretty difficult non-conference with um, – we, we open up with Liberty. Uh, then we also go to Tulane uh, later in the year. I also go to Miami as well. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the, of the league schedule, um, yeah, I mean, you're trying to, I guess, go 500 and some up play. feel like that gets you kind of around or around six wins ball eligibility. I think, you, we, I think the fan base kind of looks at that, that Georgia State game as kind of a swing game that could really, um, you know, either go, go either way. And it's a game where if, if you win it, um, you may be in a good spot for a bowl. If you lose, you might, um, you know, you might be on the outside looking in four or five wins. So I think uh, just as far as Georgia State uh, goes, I think that's that game in November is really big uh, for us. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of USF fans were just really happy that uh, UTEP and um, FIU are not on the schedule. It's kind of a, a breath of fresh air. So we're we're looking forward to playing, uh, uh, you know, the Raging Cage and South Al and uh, teams like that. Yeah, I was actually, you know, it was not a given that all four teams were going to be on the schedule, all new teams, and Georgia State plays all four in football, and I thought that was fun. I mean, granted, we're going to Hattiesburg, what, November 5th, and it might yes. not be until like 2028 that the return trip happens because the way the thing shakes up. So it it just is the randomness of the schedule that lined up where Georgia State plays all four, and I, I think that's good just for everyone to kind of immediately recognize the new members uh, that are coming in. But yeah, I, those... Late October, early November games are the so pivotal in a college football season for whether it's you're trying to get to the directory of conference championship or whether you're trying to make a bowl. That's a base, that's basically the time of year where Georgia State got to their bowl eligibility this past season. And I'm sure it's the case, you know, for most teams most year. Where whether whatever goal you're trying to reach, those are the games that are gonna be your make or break. And so yeah, for wherever Georgia State ends up being, I think the same way that that road trip to Southern Miss is gonna be a big game. Uh, I also didn't want to leave football without just mentioning uh, that your program makes us all feel just old for the fact that Frank Gore Jr. <laughs> is uh, a running back on the team. Just didn't need that. But also I enjoyed when he was I, – I enjoyed as a fan of just college football and sickoness with the super back thing. I thought it was probably not the best thing when you're trying to have consistent quarterback play, but I personally enjoyed just the zaniness of – and it worked. You know, by the end of the year <laughs> – it started working, and he was the the workhorse, the superback. Yeah, yeah that, was, that wasn't a that wasn't quite as fun at the beginning uh, because, like I said, there was there was a lot of excitement going into last year, and then all of a sudden you look up and you're one and nine, and you know you play top twenty five UTS or sorry one and. You're one and you're one and eight going into the UTSA game, and they're top twenty-five, and you you feel like you're going to get skull drug, and the word you know, comes out that they're, you know, don't know who's going to play quarterback and all this kind of stuff, and Frank Gore Jr.'s playing quarterback, and everybody's losing their minds. Like that's what is happening with Southern Miss football, but it ended up being a lot of fun. Like you said, it it did work, and I think that that showed the chops of Will Hall a little bit. I don't think there are many coaches in America that had that creativity or the guts to actually apply it to just win some football games, um, which which kind of, I think, increases some optimism down the road a little bit. You know, if, if you can win a couple of games with no quarterback, then, you know, you should be able to win a lot more games with a quarterback. Yeah, and I mean, I watched the – I, parts of that Louisiana Tech road game, and like you couldn't tell that Southern Miss was the one having the really tough season. They looked up for the game, oh. and so, and it was a road trip too. You know, for a home game for Louisiana Tech to get just kind of hammered like that by a team who didn't have a quarterback, I feel like that was a real indictment of where their season was going. It almost made it made three and nine worth it beating Louisiana Tech without a quarterback. Almost. So I wanted to round it around to men's basketball, and I was trying to kind of wait ask this question politely because i don't want to make it seem like a like they made the tournament in 2012 uh southern men southern miss men's <laughs> basketball and since then it's not gone great and i'm just kind of like 
diplomatically like is it like a problem that men's basketball has taken a dip like it has is it something that the fan base really wants rescued or is the fact that baseball is as good as it is and football is always going to be number one kind of shielded a little bit from that yeah yeah kind of but i think a lot of that a lot of people are upset about men's basketball but i mean yeah yeah like you were saying um with the way baseball is um it's kind of a situation where like usm fans i've always said usm fans only care about like basketball for two months usually december january and then maybe like half of february and then once that happens like we're, we care more about a midweek game against uh the university of new orleans than we do about um about basketball but no i think with this with this year i, I think this is kind of a make or break year for the staff um or if they, if they don't show marked improvement, I think there's probably going to be a change. And a lot of people are really upset that there wasn't a change this last year. I mean, I think a lot of people thought there was going to be uh, a change there at the top. And um, But, yeah, it's just kind of um, right now is the program is just, it's just kind of broken right now where the, our, our facilities and there's hopefulness that there, there's going to be some renovations or about, you know, hopefully about to sink about $15 million into, um, into uh, the basketball arena. Uh, but yeah, I mean the facilities aren't great right now. There's not a whole lot of um, you know fan, um, not much of a fan following. But yeah, I mean like you said, um, you know that 2012 season that was an at-large team that um, you know it was a n- number nine seed. Uh, that was kind of back when CSA was still kind of a two-bid league, and then uh, when Donnie Tindall was here, um, he had two um, kind of years we were just on the outside of the bubble. Uh, and fan, I mean, that was kind of when basketball had overtaken baseball there for a short while in terms of fan uh, following just because baseball was a little bit of a dip and basketball was playing well. And actually, I remember we played two really good games with you guys. I remember we played a home-at-home, and I think we won one game in overtime here, and then we might have won by on a one-possession game in Atlanta. Um, so just kind of that's one of the things I think of when I think of Georgia State. Um, but, yeah, basketball, it, it's gonna they're going to have to turn around uh, big time this year or else it's probably going to be uh, someone else uh, at the top. It's it's a, a touchy subject. Uh, we'll put it like that. Uh, there there are a lot of people that were really upset, and, and like Patrick said, there's. I mean, as far as what you see at the games, I mean that you know we played UAB in Hattiesburg um, last season, and they were all all their fans were you know putting pictures on Twitter of how empty the arena was, and all the Southern Miss fans were replying with literally do not care like it's it's okay um but there is i I think you saw this too when a lot of people thought there was going to be a change and there wasn't um and you know you can there's an argument both ways i think for for keeping that staff uh or moving on but i think you saw that there there is some passion there and you you look at you know when donnie tindall was was here and and even the late larry stacy years before tindall there you know, we're a, a number of, of seasons where, you know, you really did have some great fan support. Um, and that has, that's sort of been lost uh, because there has, it's been consistently bad. But there is, there is some passion there. There is some real desire for the basketball program to be better. And I feel like the administration feels the same way, um, knows that there is going to have to be a commitment financially and otherwise to, really improving the program because like Patrick said it's it's in a pretty deep hole right now um but there's also I think a recognition as well that you know there is lower barrier to entry to being nationally competitively relevant in basketball and and so hopefully that you know is is resonating with the administration again feel like it is uh but there's there's just a long way to go do you feel that's because of a lack of uh, the right personnel in the coaching ranks, or would you say it's just kind of a matter of attrition with recruiting and just the level of competition that Southern Miss has been seeing in Conference USA the past, you know, five, 10, 15 years? Yeah, I think it's, it's probably a combination of both. Um, I think you look at, you look at the administration, where where Southern Miss was leadership wise, in I think you can look back. I mean, Southern Miss basketball has just never been consistently successful. Um, had some good years in the '80s, and that's sort of what we hang our hat on. Um, other than that 2012 year, 
maybe a little more so than that 2012 year. Those are kind of the golden years of Southern Miss basketball, but it's, it's always been kind of on the back burner um, a little bit and been hard to really drive excitement and a big push um, for people to really invest in the program uh, because of that lack of success, but also because like you alluded to because of the competition, because you play in conference USA and it's a one bid league. And, and even in the years when you were playing against which Cal Perry and his Memphis teams that were top five ranked number one in the country. I mean, I, I, I saw Derek Rose play Reed green and, you know, competed well with them. But outside of that, there was, you know, just, it, it was just hard to be really invested <laughs> the program i think for a lot of people because there was there was so little success and and another huge factor that patrick alluded to is the facilities i i I strongly believe i've said this i think we have one of if not the worst collection of basketball facilities in america and it's it has improved they've made slight improvements but re green specifically the arena um you know it's it's barely been touched for 50 years and it's for a coaching staff to recruit to the level that you need to recruit to to be competitively relevant you really have to overcome really really bad facilities and that's and that is exceedingly difficult to do especially with the transfer portal and all of the different factors and and recruiting now how different it is and how you have to re-recruit everyone every single year even after you know, we won seven games total last year and just about the entire roster, just about our entire production um, transferred and we'll almost have a completely new team next year. And and so it's it's a combination of a lot of different factors, uh, but I feel like the program has just not been able to get off the mat for a long time. And I think people were hopeful for that 2012 season that it would happen. Um you know, kind of similar to football, you kind of peaked and then have, haven't really gotten back to that point since. Yeah, believe you me, we know about facilities. Basketball, uh, Georgia State basketball has had, you know, unprecedented success in spite of some of the history, you know, the, the facilities that are available. And now finally, it, heading into this year, going to have a convocation center that we think matches the prestige of where the basketball program has gotten. So, we can definitely understand the challenge of recruiting the facilities you've got. The sports arena was not even supposed to be a basketball arena. It just turned into what it had to be, and that Georgia State's made the most of it. But moving on to greener pastures as far as that's concerned. Uh, thanks for indulging us. You know, Obviously, with Georgia State, uh, we had to talk about men's basketball a good bit because it's one of the ones that brings home the bacon for sure. But I'm interested to see where Southern Miss lands in year one in the Sun Belt because – I feel like there's some growth potential among the mid tier, at least, because I feel like I don't really know a lot about some of the teams that were at the bottom in the middle of the conference. And so I all I'll say that I feel like <laughs> I, I'm sure you said the same thing is that expectations can only go so low. So, you know, any success is going to feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, one thing I will say about moving to the Sun Belt from Conference USA, I mean, it, it's not seen as necessarily a step up. I mean, it's still one bid leagues typically um you know hopefully that'll change with the sun belt but i think i think those things that are true that we talked about with baseball and football are true of basketball as well um i mean did you a week or two ago i mean it um i forget who came out with the article but it was about keith gill and how the um the different athletic administrators were talking about a, a financial commitment to basketball and and to try to get out of that one bid league um, uh, expectation and kind of place that the conference is at. Um, that is something that Southern Miss has never had or ha- doesn't had in a long time of, of an expectation to commit to some level of success and financial commitment. Um, and so I, I think the bar is raised, particularly the big three sports, um, and we're hoping that that sort of drags the basketball program up a little bit because it needs it. I think there's, you know, kind of like Brady said, I think there's definitely room for the Sun Belt to get a Southern Miss and kind of raise that 
Sunbelt middle economy to kind of also propel the top. You know, if you do have one of those years where they're, you know, 10, 15 wins isn't the bar for you, you know, and you can kind of get there and be, you know, a surprise to bid league from there. So, I, you know, I think there is obviously some room for the Sunbelt to kind of get to those greener pastures, if you will. And also worth saying, Georgia State's looking to do the exact same thing with the likes of Southern Miss with baseball. You know, with another edition of a really good program, any marginally better season for Georgia State in baseball, they just got 30 wins for the first time in, I think, five years. They do that again another year with another couple of good baseball programs coming in, Southern Miss and ODU. They look that much better for it, and it helps them out. And maybe RPI bumps up a little bit to where they're in that uh, getting into the at-large conversation. It fell off. There was a, a brief week there this year where Georgia State swept Coastal on the road, and we're getting a lot of pub in the you know the baseball college baseball ranks, and uh, kind of fell off from there. Got swept at Southern, and continued to lose games. I think the streak got to nine games, something like that. Didn't last, but it, you got the glimmer of hope. And with better baseball programs, I can just say Georgia State's definitely looking to do the same thing. And I get the old saying, "Rising." Tide lifts all boats, I feel like, applies with Southern Miss and men's basketball as well. Yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of looked at, um, just looking at the Seminole basketball, we've kind of looked at Georgia State as kind of the big dog in the league. Uh, and I also think Old Dominion will be up there as well. But yeah, I mean, out of the, um, I guess the top three would probably be, yeah, Georgia State, um, Old Dominion, and I guess maybe Marshall as well. But yeah, in terms of the existing programs, I mean, you guys have definitely been the most consistent who everybody's kind of looking up to, for sure. Louisiana will be one to watch this year. They've got a lot coming back from their team last year that made the Sunbelt Championship. Uh, you know, the next thing I wanted to just kind of throw it up into you guys on is just the other sports that Southern Miss excels at, uh, maybe lower line than the big three that we've talked about. Um, I don't know. I feel like uh, like it's come to women's sports, uh, women's uh, basketball, softball. They've been pretty average. Uh, men's golf made the um, match play, CUSA match play for the first time in a while. We're, we're pretty good in track, women's track and men's track. Uh, we've had some good individual performers in there. Um, I guess we're talking about softball. Softball made uh, a women's college world series about 20 years ago, but they haven't had a ton of success since then. So those are, I guess, talking about some of the Olympic sports, some of the women's sports. Those are kind of the highlights. And, uh, you know, the last thing we wanted to do uh, – Definitely leading towards, you know, we got to throw food stuff in whenever we can. So uh, for anyone from Georgia State looking to make the trip to Hattiesburg for a football game, basketball game, whatever, any of the must-dos while you're in the, on the campus and especially any of the must-eats where you got to go to eat when you're there. You want to get that, Ben, and I'll, I'll follow I'll up. Let the, I'll let Pat's, Pat's the uh, sort of the expert. I'll fill in the gaps where I can. <laughs> I'll, let the, I'll let the Hattiesburg native take that. Uh, yeah, so um, – so I guess the must do's, um, I mean, Hattiesburg, it is a, you know, it's a small, it's a pretty small town. I mean, it's kind of, the unique thing about Hattiesburg is, is it's kind of a, uh, it's not a true college community um, in the sense that the university is the only game in town, but it's also, I mean, obviously the university is a big part of the community, but it's also kind of the you know, economic and kind of healthcare uh, education hub for an eight county area. So it kind of balances that um, with uh, USM. But I guess in terms of uh, things to do, Hattiesburg, we probably have the best zoo in the state of Mississippi. It's, it's, I mean, it's not, you know, I'm sure it's not on the level of the Atlanta Zoo, but um, for a city the size of Hattiesburg, it's a very nice zoo and uh, it's pretty close to campus. So there's that. And then in terms of must eats, um, I would say Midtowner is kind of like a southern restaurant. It's on Hardy Street. So it's uh, um, Hardy Street's kind of the uh, street that runs right by campus. Uh, that's really good. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Um, Looks like Chesterfields. That's always been one of my favorites. I don't eat there a whole lot, uh, or haven't in um, recently. But that's pretty close to campus. Um, you have uh, um, Glory Bound uh, Eros right by campus. Um, it's a Greek restaurant. So those are kind of the uh, I guess the three that I would throw out. But I'll, let's see what Ben says. Yeah. Well, I mean, first thing I would say for for out of towners would be to look up. Robert St. John, um, and see what he has in town. He's, he's kind of the, he's, he's one of the kind of foremost culinary, uh, personalities in Mississippi. Um, he, 
He's he's written for the Clear and Ledger for a long. I don't even know if he still does that. Um, well known around the state and has has a number of different restaurants. Midtowner is one of those. Just opened up a Mexican restaurant, El Rio, um, which I think is really good. It's gotten mixed reviews. Uh, some of them, some of them are kind of seen as more touristy, and so some of the locals don't eat there quite as much. But uh, there's some really good food. Uh, I feel like Thai food, Jutamas. It's one of my favorite Thai places to go. Um, there, there is no. I think people coming from, you know, obviously a bigger, a bigger metropolitan area will be will be surprised at how much good food there is to eat in Hattiesburg. There's some really, really good stuff. Crescent City Grills is another one um, that I would be sure uh, for people out there to try um, if you like Cajun or want to try Cajun or New Orleans style uh, food is is really, really good. There's a lot of great stuff in Hattiesburg. Let me say, I would never underestimate anywhere in the South for having good food. I mean, that's okay, sort of the South. Man. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I think that's all, all we've got for uh, this, but thank you guys for coming on and giving us a really comprehensive look at Southern Miss and now only a couple weeks away from joining the conference and not too long from football and all that entails and what should be a good and interesting and edifying Sunbelt football season kind of with these new teams and seeing where the conference goes with these guys. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. We really yeah. enjoy getting, getting to know these different uh, teams and, you know, we did this with James Madison and he's excited to do with you guys. And so, yeah, just especially these teams, we, we're not as familiar with these teams on the East side. Um, so getting to know um, you guys and James yeah. Madison really helps us out a lot too. So. Yeah. And given, you know, we go men's basketball first as I was, was made clear and you guys obviously like baseball and the, the differences there it, it and being in the different divisions, it feels like not a, a mesh. It's like there's a difference, like two different programs coming from different places. And the other part of it, which we haven't talked about at all is that we're kind of the yellow, you know, the white elephant, as far as like the, the black sheep is about like, we don't have that tradition that you guys are looking for. Like if it was a conference full of us, you wouldn't be excited about the Sunbelt at all. Uh, <laughs> but we're trying to build that, you know, Georgia state has been, really dedicated about athletics for the last decade, two decades tops. And before that, it's pretty bleak. And so from where they are now, feels like it's in a good place. And the results, I feel like, is this going to make up for the fact that the tradition and the fan base isn't where some of these other established programs is. And hoping to build some rivalries, hoping to, you know, get like a win in a series against Southern Miss in baseball this year and be like, look, hang the banner now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we we appreciate you guys, and it it's ten days. For, ten days from now, we will no longer be in Conference USA. I, I, when we say we are counting down the days, we are not kidding. We cannot wait to be a part of the Sun Belt. All right, thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Yes.